Canadians and Sandies pacification and placements are active and tracking at this station. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the reading room. Three, two, one, engage. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're talking about Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury, yeah. Yeah, one of those classic, classic books that you either forced to read at one time or picked up out of curiosity, probably. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or someone someone volunteered it on a podcast you were on or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. A- am I am I detecting a rant? <laughs> not, you know, not no. not from my end. <laughs> okay, yeah, not from my end. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I I'm I'm certain that I read this book, but it's probably been about twenty five years, twenty five, maybe thirty years. Okay, that I, since I've read it, so it's been a while. It was like when you were seventeen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, pretty much. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I read it in school, but I, I don't remember reading it. But I remember the story. Yeah, yeah. So, have you read it before, Jim? Uh, no, uh, but I had seen the movie numerous times. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. A so good that's old... kind of why I wanted to read the book yeah. and see how it how it stacked up. Okay. With the movie, uh, definitely better than the movie. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I would, I would absolutely agree. But the movie is somewhat faithful to the book. Yeah. So, basic plot we've got going on here is we got a. Uh, There's a guy that's flying through the air with strings hanging. Oh, that's in the movie. <laughs> uh, we have a. I don't know if I want to call it. A, it's not quite a dystopian. You. Future. Oh no, it is a dystopian. Is it is it technically okay, so it's a dystopian. I think it would be a dystopian before they called stuff such stuff dystopian. Such, yeah. When you say Jim, it's kind of a dystopian novel. Uh definitely dystopian. Okay. See I always pick dystopian as like post nuclear because they seem like they're okay at the beginning. Well but it's not a utopia. That's true. Okay. So I mean, the right. opposite of that would be dystopia. It's definitely dystopian. I mean, some people might say believe that they're living in a utopia but it's clearly but from our from our protagonist's point of view from montag's uh point of view this is this is dystopian right right mm-hmm. so we have this okay we have a dystopian future where uh books are illegal uh they and firemen don't stop fires they start fires and they specifically burn houses with books in them and they burn the books, and uh, most of society is very self-absorbed. They're very uh, into their constant TV or radio feeds in their earpieces. They have a constant feed of stuff going on, and then their TVs are like entire walls on their TVs, and it's just like everyone just kind of is totally absorbed into media, Uh, and... uh, we have a gentleman in, in the midst of that who, who's a fireman who slowly starts to discover the world outside of this, uh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, a media? Yeah, outside of the media, outside of this brainwashing, I guess, that society is in. Mm. Yeah. So. 
This book does not relate at all to today. I'm just saying. No. Totally non-relevant. Yeah. I mean, it definitely dates itself. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we don't have walls of televisions yeah. and devices that we're constantly connected to. I mean, no. not at all. Constant stream of info or no, no. Checking in with people. Yeah, yeah. You know, face, you know, FaceTime <laughs> people that we call families that aren't really our families. Like on face, uh, you know, doesn't happen. Right. Right. Totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Gilligan's Island. <laughs> totally irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh my! So, all right, let's let's start off with uh, impressions of the book. Let's start with Jim since you hadn't haven't read this book before. Okay. Well, i I really enjoyed the book. Um, it was far different than the movie was in a lot of ways. It got uh, deeper into into Montag and his his thought processes as he went from thinking he was very happy to discovering that he wasn't and that there had to be more to life than what he was figuring out. And I, I really did enjoy it a lot. Okay. Yeah. Scott. Um, I have not, you know, let me back up. When Jim, because Jim, you were the you were the one that recommended this book, right? Yes. So when Jim recommended this book, I'm like, gosh, I got to go back and read this classic <laughs> novel that I really don't want to read um, about burning books. And I knew I'd read it somewhere, and I, but you know, I kind of went a, a bit skeptical, you know. And I will say this on the flip side: in all the books we've done on this podcast. And of all the books I've read in science fiction, probably in the past 10 years, with exception of maybe Ready Player One, I have not read a book that has been more insightful and impactful and has impacted my life and made me think in the way that this did about our current society. A book that was published in the 50s. You know, we're we're, mm-hmm. you know, we're coming we're coming up probably on the almost the 60th anniversary of this book, and uh, and this book is incredible, as far as in my opinion, what it speaks to, what's currently going on in society, and you know, I just I know we are not a political show, but the, the just this past weekend they came out with like seven words that the CDC can't use when it requisitions funds for the new budget that's coming out. And and that alone is like when they say, well, you can't say this, you know, this idea of government. and But in this case, in this society, the people kind of elected to kind of be ignorant. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of also in that. You know, we, we get the news that you want to hear and we don't step outside of it. This, this book, I, we're, I hope you go much deeper into it. You're going to get me on a tangent. I won't shut up because <laughs> I've absolutely loved this book. Thank you, Jim, for suggesting it. Okay. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, ironically, I was I was expecting it to be about the burning of the books. And that was not the issue for me. It was the stuff that surrounded that mm-hmm. that, that really hit it. So. Um, for me, 
I did not enjoy reading the book. It is a good book, and I would recommend that if you haven't read it, you read it. Um, and I read it, I read it twice because I got bored and I kind of spaced out for a while, and so I had I went back and like redid it, and not because the book is boring, as much as I think there are one of the interesting things that we actually had surprisingly never really like addressed before I think ever in this or doing is that we kind of represent almost three generations of, of readers on our show you know I mean we're, we're close enough that you know whatever but at the same time technically I mean there's generational gaps so um like like I'm a technically I'm called the, the, the new it's called a zillennial it's a millennial with this x because I bring I'm in between a millennial and a generation Xer. And what that means is I grew up analog, but I grew up with technology instead of a millennial who just grew up with technology. Uh, coming from that perspective, I have heard this story retold through all media growing up that it's just so played out to me. And I'm saying that it is a good book, but to me, to then read it, after having a lifetime of this, like, pressed into me over and over, forever from, like, Looney Tunes to uh, episodes of Batman, you know, to social studies in school, uh, to just general, you know, Star Trek, to general science fiction. It was an original idea at one point, but now it's been played out so much through so many things. It no longer hits me as original, and it hits me as very played out. And so I struggled really really hard with enjoying it just because I just wanted it to be over. Hmm. So it is a good book. And if you haven't read it, you should read it. But if you've been exposed to this stuff all your life, like I have, you may not enjoy it. All right. So there you go. That's there you yeah. go. I don't know how you feel about my. I'm, no, I'm not saying no, it's a bad no, book. No. It's just, it's and like, I hear you. I mean, yeah. if you've heard it, if you heard the story, uh, you know, a thousand different times, you're going right. to be, you're going to, you're going to hit it that way. Well, it's the same type of thing that when you see, like, okay, for instance, let's just take Star Wars in the hand, right? Like, people have watched A New Hope a bajillion times, right? right. And then they watched The Force Awakens, and one of the biggest things was, oh, it's just a retelling it's just of a, a retelling. Hope. Yeah, so that's kind of my perspective even though this is the original to me it's it's played out you know it's like i you know is it it's not touching me like it could all the things in it are very poignant very very um uh should be taken into consideration you know that kind of stuff but it just you know didn't hit home Hmm. so yeah so it didn't speak to you. Yeah. No. Well, not in the way that these points hadn't spoken to me already. Yeah. Through another outlet. Yeah. So. You think maybe the book was, as you say, you know, we're all three readers. Uh, you think maybe it was a little too much of uh, preaching to the choir? Well, yeah, I guess I mean, that's another way of saying it. Because it's, it, it's not new information or it's not... Yeah, it's like it's like if your pastor tells the same sermon for Christmas every year, right? You come in, you kind of know you're not you're not really moved. Well, maybe you are, but like generally, you're not. Like this is 
this is a new thing when you go in for the next Christmas. You're like, it was good, but I've heard it every year. You know, that kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, I, you know, and for me, it's not like I hadn't heard people talk about this topic. Right. But I think in the story of the way that being plugged in, because that's probably the equivalent of it today, mm-hmm. of being plugged in 24-7 on the subway, everything's an advertisement. You know, he's home with his wife and she's plugged into a seashell over her ear or shell over her ear. And, you know, he begins to, you know, ask, you know, when did we meet? And she has no clue. And the family to her is this television, the, you know, the three-walled television. She wants a fourth wall so it can be all immersive. Um, I just began to really see how much in my own life, I'm plugged in that way, mm-hmm. um, both on Facebook, um, both on Twitter, uh, you know, on Twitter, on um, the constant need for entertainment and the amount of time that I don't give myself to think and to process. And I think that that is for me when I as I as, as Montag began to get it. As throughout the book, I began to like say, wow, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth to this. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of truth to being constantly surrounded by noise. Um, and so his metaphorical baptism in the river and coming out a new man on the other side, you know, is very much, yeah. very much. I, I just, I just, um, I saw it and said, I, I guess I saw a lot of myself in it. And identified with it in a way that maybe I, again, had it in other books, like I said. Mm-hmm. But, but anyways, those was, was just my thoughts, and it doesn't obviously it didn't hit us equally. And that's fine. But, yeah. Like well, should we are... move into characters? Yeah, and yeah. we can do it. We can with them. Yeah, we can talk about stuff as we go. Yeah. So you you gave us a little bit of Montag. Montag, Montag. I couldn't help but keep reading Murtag every time. I was just, I was like, it's <laughs> not Aragon. Come on. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's Aragon doing in this book? <laughs> yeah, really. No, Montag is uh, is the German word for Monday. Monday. Well, he was in case you didn't Monday. know. Well, Montag. That, that his name is a play on words for a apparently at the time famous paper company. It's oh, guy, wow. guy Montag is something. To do with a, a, paper. a paper company. Yeah. Ironically, I was reading as we were talking before we get into that that scientists actually say that paper burns about 440 degrees Fahrenheit, not 451. Oh, really? Like it's commonly, but it's commonly assumed that because of Bradbury's oh. book. Huh. And they say, they say too, it does depend on the grade and medium of paper, but on average, it burns about 440 degrees. Interesting. And a Kindle burns about. I'm just kidding. I don't know <laughs> what a Kindle burns. <laughs> Jim can do those experiments. Yeah, it's him. You have an old Kindle. You can tell us. But. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't have one that's wore out yet. Now you need to ask Miles. Miles wore one out. Oh, I'm sure he did. Uh, yeah. So I. So what did I? I've heard the complaint about Montag sometimes that all he is. He's discovering the stuff, yes, but he's still just a follower. He does what people tell him to do throughout the entire book. Yeah. 
but that didn't bo- that didn't bother me, mind you. But I've heard the complaint that that's all he is. He just follows. He's not really. He's still not really thinking for himself. My argument against that. Not, go ahead, Jim. You go ahead. Not, not right away. No, but Clarice definitely gives him something to think about right at the beginning of the right. book. But even when he get even when he gets to with the professor, right? Um, the professor tells him what to do, and he does it. Right. You know, and I mean, he, he um, uh, he. I think he realizes that he can't live the way he's living, but he doesn't. He's like a baby. You know, a baby wants to learn how to walk, doesn't know how to do it. And so what the parents grab the hands and help the toddler take its first steps, right? And so this is kind of maybe what's happening here. So I don't fault Montag for it, but I've heard, I've heard that complaint that he's just following what people's... He traded one system for another. Right. My argument against this is that he already... like. So after reading it twice, I then went and... Because this is an influential book, I went and looked at some of the stuff written about it. Right. Um, one of the things that, again, people were saying, they, they credit the, the girl, I forget her name. Clarice. Clarice. For, for like, McClellan. for instigating this change in his life, right? Mm-hmm. They For sparking this in him. But I kind of call BS on that because he already had books hidden away. Like, yeah, she added to it. So, but the fire was already there. But he so didn't. He didn't look at the book. He had a book hidden away, but it was kind of like this. He had several books hidden away, didn't he? Yeah, but they were kind of. Uh, they were just. They were just stashed there. He didn't. He never read them. Right, but that's like the first step, really. Right. But see, see what Clarice did was she asked him, "Are you happy?" And made him. He he actually had to think. About whether he was happy or not, which he had he had just always, yeah, I'm happy. I go to work every day. I come home. I call the paramedics to pump my wife's stomach out and give her a blood transfusion. And yeah, yeah, sure. This is the way life is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, we mentioned Clarice being instigator. She's an interesting character in herself. I mean, you come into this world that Bradbury establishes for us, and then you have this free spirit who really doesn't go to school, has her own thoughts, is kind of um, disliked because she asks, you know, um, why instead of how, and, you know, and, and uh, so on. But her whole family's kind of like that, right? Yeah, it is. It's kind of a runs in the family there. Which, my, my thing when reading, like, how is this family surviving in this world? Well, isn't it suggested that she's, well, she's hit. She's taken out. Yeah. She's hit, but it's almost suggested there's an intentionality of that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hinted at. But little note about her in the in the uh, film adaptation, she's actually a 20 year old school teacher, right? Jim, is that right? Yes, and she, yes, she is, and she doesn't die. Yeah, she's living with the exiles. Bradbury apparently liked it so much he included it in in later editions of the book. Put it into the later editions. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so he liked it literally. Oh, he he put it, he put it into a stage edition. Not, not that, not the, not the book, stage edition of it. But no, I like her because she, she does, she does think for herself. Yeah. And I think if she had been given enough time, she would have taught Montag how to think for himself. Well, and Montag gets there, but slower because of that, because of the death. Yeah. Um, no, he's you, got. 
he's got a lot on his mind. He's got a house to pay for. His wife, Mildred, wants a fourth wall uh, television in the living room so she can completely immerse herself in her little world. Um, yeah, and then she like she like inadvertently almost kills herself. Like she's just unaware of the pills she's taking. Yeah. She doesn't even know her stomach's been pumped out, has no recollection of it. And this bothers him. Uh-uh. Right. You know, it's, 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 it's well, and the way the, go ahead. The way the paramedics were, it was like a routine thing. Right. Right. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. They're, they're smoking a cigarette and, you know, fixing her up and pumping her out. And they're like, and he's, he's appalled by this. So this must be like the first time it's happened to her though. Right. Is that was your impression? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So addicted to sleeping pills. But never sleeping. But never really sleeping, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah I, she's a bit of a wreck. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've known people like her. That's, well, that was the scary thing. Well, that, that, like, is, uh, that is. And uh, the description of her in the book is, thin as a praying mantis from dieting, her hair burnt by chemicals to brittle straw, and her flesh like white bacon. She must be a gamer. <laughs> just inside all the time <laughs> yeah no but but it is she is definitely a interesting character she at one point seems to almost come alongside montag in his quest isn't that the way you read it well i think up until he reached the poem yes yeah and then the poem is like that's the turning point for yeah. everything really it is but I think it's almost because she's not paying attention to what he's doing, really. Right. She's just, like, blindly supporting him without right. really taking in what he's talking about. Whatever gets her back to her TV. Yeah, exactly. That's more... Because that's her family. Yeah. That is her family. But, yeah, Dover Beach. The poem there. But... Well, so what other characters? Well, we've got his boss. Yeah, Captain Beatty. Is that what it is? Captain Beatty? Yeah, yeah Captain Beatty, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he was not a very, well, I should say, I don't want to channel the movie into this. I got to be really careful. Yeah. He started out seeming like a really nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he does. And he does even in the book here when he comes over and visits, he seems to be understanding. And the thing is, the way he talks, he clearly has read. Mm-hmm. Like he clearly is in that side. But it's he almost, admits that. Yeah. It's almost like he sets him up to fail, though. He's almost like, oh, just hold on to your books for 24 hours. Yeah. But then at, then when he's like, well, you still had books. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he lets him know, you know, when, when he calls in sick and he and Beatty comes over to see him and he tells him, uh, tells Montag, you know, okay, you got your books. We know you got books. Um, so you need to do something about it or we will do something about it. Right. We will, we will burn you down. And so, but otherwise, you know, he seemed like a decent boss. He, uh, gave him a promotion. Yeah. We know he's, uh, he's kind of a, it sounds like what he's dealing with is Montag. It's, it's It's kind of been practiced. Like other firemen have, must have also gone through similar things. Right. But. They're able to quench it. Yeah. So Obedi knows. He he apparently understands reading and why people want to read it, but he has why people want to read, 
but he's bought into the line why the government doesn't want people to read. Right. And just wants wants them to constantly be taking in the entertainment that's provided, which will keep everybody thinking straight and staying happy. Yeah. I think we can talk about why they did it. It was basically PC culture just took over. Different groups were constantly insulted. And so books became the same thing over and over again until eventually they just said there's no no more writing. That's what's the point. Yeah. So. Yeah. uh, Well, the thing is, though, is the books would give people a, a point of view that doesn't agree right with with a with a government's position which makes them dangerous and harmful as far as as far as a government or or a ruling body would would think so you you don't you don't want people reading you will feed them what you want them to know through the media that keeps them entertained, and then nobody is looking for books because they're already entertained. Right. Yeah. No, very, very much so. And and uh, you know the the, um, the facts, in a sense, no longer matter. Right. Because we're being entertained, and that's the important thing. Yeah. And see, throughout the book, also, it don't we have the looming of a nuclear conflict? There's a there's a battle there's a battle that's raging on. We actually, of course, we see that at the very end. The the result of that, right, right. Uh, Before we pass on from Beatty, I think he was on to on to him before the beginning of the book. Yeah, that would be my understanding. Because because as soon as he gets there, the Hound is already like not trusting, not trusting him. Yeah, the Hound's already been been. Uh, suck on whatever sent on him. Yeah. So to investigate. Him. <laughs> yeah. Boy, when I think of the Hound, I keep thinking of those Boston Dynamic robots are creating. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm picturing in my head. <laughs> Did you see those, Jim? Uh. Uh-uh. The robot. Look up the robots by Boston Dynamics when you get a chance, and it's these dog-like creatures that are robots, and I keep, and that's what I was picturing with maybe a little bit more ferocious teeth. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but. But huh. yeah. So, uh, Faber. Let's talk about Faber. Faber. That was the professor. The English professor. Yeah, that was a professor that um, uh, Montag went to and started out by asking him, help me understand what what I'm reading. Because Montag didn't understand exactly what he was reading. It was so far outside his experience. Yeah, and he apparently is not in the city when the nuclear strike hits or whatever hits. No. The bombing happens. How did he meet him the first time? Did he in saw a park. Him reading? In a park. Was he reading in the park or was he just um, in the park? Uh, I think he was reading. Was that was that your impression? He was reading in the park, and Montag sees him, and he gives him a book. I think he might have been one of the guys that gave him like the first book or something like that. This is another yeah, person that's like, how do they exist in this world? <laughs> well, in secret, but, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but by the way, uh, Faber is named after the German manufacturer of pencils, Faber 
Oh, Castell. Really? Yep. Yeah. So you put all this oh. like, little stuff in there. Yep. So, uh, writer. Uh, um, I don't really have much to say about him. I thought he was kind of a by the book character. He is, although, for, he, <laughs> but he's an inventor. And he keeps a small television screen that he can cover up just so yeah. he can stay in tune with the world. But he has the, uh, yes, it got dark. Don't worry about it. I have a light, I have a light that flickers on and off, Jim. Um, but the, uh, he, you know, he stays in tune with the world, but he has his earpiece. That's kind of significant. That yeah. kind of initially guides Montag to kind of help yeah. him through the first days of his rebellion. Right. What you don't see is... Well, he's also a... De- He's also a dissident too. He is um kind of an undercover kind of uh well, he's a professor. Yeah. <laughs> yep. A, a learned person. He is. Yep. I think in one of the deleted scenes is uh he go he um, Martag why can't I say his name? Matag is that how you say it? Yeah. Matag goes on a blind date and favor is whispering in his ear what he has to say. Yeah, probably. The whole time how to pick up chicks. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he's got a little buzzer. <laughs> he says the wrong thing. Well, yeah. That's that's one really of the deleted be- scenes. You know. <laughs> What's he do? Hide behind bushes and say, "Hey, girl." Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know someone that does that. Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, the other people that we should mention are Mildred's friends, right? Because they do bring in while we don't see them much. And it's really just the one scene. Um, it does represent the larger society. Um, and, uh, you know, because we find out from them that having children serves no purpose. Right. And they get in a little scuffle and the whole little argument. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, And they don't seem to be worked up by people dying in their lives. Like, oh, they're, they're dead. They committed suicide. I'll get married again. You know, just yeah. not that non-attachment to human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and and you really see like the, they don't really realize their despair until after the, the poem that rocks their world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, like, well, they are they're very superficial people. They are. Yeah. I love when they talk when Mrs. Bowles talks about raising her kids that um she uh she has two children who don't respect her, but she's very glad she can hit back. <laughs> you know, that was kind of that <laughs> that uh-huh. comment there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, see, it forces like when Dover Beach forces those women to look at themselves, and that's upsetting. They don't like it. I mean, yeah. they, they immediately run to report him afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. How dare you make me look at myself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, people don't want to see that, uh, even even today. Yeah, definitely. What did you guys think before we get away? I didn't I didn't get the lady's name, but the lady who burned herself. Oh yeah. yeah. Her I don't have her name, but but that's I don't a, remember what it was. That's yeah. where he gets the big book that one of these he, is the, Bible. the Bible. Yeah, he gets the Bible. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I, mean, I thought I mean, a little ridiculous. Right. I mean, yeah. it's hard to, uh, I don't know. My problem with her, her, I mean, I get what the whole point of it is, right? Like, story-wise, I get it. Mm-hmm. But her whole thing of uh, 
burning herself with her books, and then the, we come across, like, all these characters who have books. I just like, oh, it's so useless. Like, you could have gotten books again. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, it is interesting. Well, I think they don't just burn the books. They also take the people away, right? Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. They arrest them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, she, uh, she gave Montag a moment to pause. Right. Well, and that's, it almost seems to be part of the catalyst for the beginning yeah. of his journey. It, it meant so much to her that she yeah. would, uh, light her own books on fire and then stand there amongst them and be burnt with them. Right. Gave him, gave him a a perspective that he had never thought of. Right. Where he, where he was deriving what he thought was happiness. She was actually very happy with her life the way it was. And when they were going to change her way of life, she didn't need, she didn't want to live anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, very, 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 very true. You know, she didn't want to live without the books. But um so any other characters? Do we need to talk about um uh who's the the head of the dissidents, uh Granger? Yeah, the across the river, yeah. Granger. Yeah. I I love the idea that in order to preserve books. They took it out of the actual paper, memorized them. Yeah. And that somehow they figured out a way to tap into their brains. So even if people didn't remember, they were able to get them back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. That's, that's... Yeah. Did I, did, did so they I, could rewrite them later. Yeah. Did anyone, did anyone ever see the Book of Eli? No, I have not. With Denzel Washington? Is, oh, my goodness. Did you see it? I might have. I don't remember. Same idea with the Bible, though, right? It's with the Bible. So he's blind. He has the Bible in Braille. But he goes, they go to a destination, and he begins to dictate the Old and New Testament so that they have it. And all these other books and relics of that society are saved because of that. So it kind of reminded me a little bit of this story. Or I should say that that reminded me of, yeah. Yeah. Well, there, and... These people are a living library, which will allow them when things change <clears throat> after the after that apocalyptic um, war is done, then the books can actually be resurrected so that people can enjoy them again. Right. Yeah. And we don't know what the other society is like. Maybe they're not anti-book. Who knows? Well, people in the country, obviously, people in the country were not anti-book. Right. But in the cities, yeah, they were anti-book. So, all right. So, theme-wise for this book, this is something that has always come to my mind with this story or this theme of technology and the, and the banning of books and stuff. And I'm like, this is not a new concept, this fear of new media. I mean, right now it's very prevalent with the uh, information age sprouting in our lifetime and stuff. But when you think back to what we know of like just books in general, at one point books were this new media and could have been viewed in the same fashion. You know what I mean? Like 
the people of that time could have had this dystopian idea of a future where everyone just had their nose in books and didn't care about farming or, or something like that. Like, this isn't... That's what I always thought. It's never really, like, a... There's never an end to this idea. Like, it's always going just what the, the subject changes. The, uh, what it's referencing is information or books. And it cycles. Like, the next one would be, oh, everyone wants to get rid of the internet because of mind tapping. You know, mind tapping is the future and it's going to destroy us all. I mean, can't we just get back to the way we was with the internet? Remember the internet, Scott? Yeah, Excite. Remember MySpace? Excite. Excite. Hotmail. Hotmail.com. <laughs> Remember Hotmail.com? Can we yeah. just get back to Hotmail.com? But, but this is, this is to, to me, when I look at this, this is, I, I understand the little dis, dis, nostalgia, nostalgia, if I can speak here, you know, but, but Bradbury was not writing in that sort of context. Yes, there, the, there was a golden age of radio was, was kind of the, the thing, right? Um, and yes, film and TV was there. And there certainly seems to be those criticisms in the book. But I think, too, we have to remember that Bradbury, Bradbury, as a young boy, would have would have uh, witnessed the Nazi book burnings mm -hmm. and would have also uh, seen Joseph Stalin, uh, you know, kill the poets. And so I think that those were also influences. And he was looking at what happens when society begins to yeah. ignore. And so I think that those were also parts of it. But, yeah. Jim, what are your thoughts? Well, I have always believed that literacy and democracy go hand in hand. And if you cannot read, if you are illiterate, if your society is illiterate, democracy is not going to work. You will want somebody to tell you how to live your life and what to think and when to eat and when to do certain things. Mm. You really, you you must have literacy in order for our form of government to work. So do you, so Jim, I'm almost afraid to ask this, but so we as a society are, like especially as a democracy, I think you're struggling in a lot of ways. Do you think this is tied into uh, our lack of, or lack of reading, or not thinking, not thinking for ourselves. Uh, do you think this is kind of there, there's 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 a correlation to that? I think that it's more of way too much information available now, and and soundbite type news reporting and and things like that yeah i know that i'll tell you what when i'm at school i i don't know scott does your school have a compulsory reading program we uh we did and i still do we still do on fridays they, they read for about 15 minutes to half an hour in my class i see and just for pleasure david have you ever have you ever run into in school, when you were in school, something called accelerated reader. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I took an elective called advanced reading twice. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have we we have a compulsory program at our school called accelerated reader, where students 
part of their grade depends on them reading books that have been assigned points and they have to take a quiz on the book and they have they set a goal at the beginning of the quarter they have to read enough books to get these points and this is just to get them to read for crying out loud <laughs> because uh, without something like that, I very I know very few people who enjoy reading. Hmm. Man, I can't. Uh, stop. Yeah, I get. I guess that's kind of off off the point of no. what you asked me. I yeah. just think illiteracy is is very dangerous to our way of life. Yeah, I guess maybe the other argument is that when we talk about Sunbat, we're again off the point here, but in society we. We tune in to the voices that support our own way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And Facebook, Twitter, the fact that we listen to podcasts that we choose to listen to, cable television, this all basically says we, we listen to things that reinforce our own beliefs and it doesn't force us to step outside and listen to others that are different. No. And, um, and, to, and to consider it, even if we end up still not agreeing, to hear it and have empathy. And I uh, and I and I see that I just listened to a TED talk recently. They kind of talked about that. Well, and, you, and I guess you could argue that in this society, in in, in I was going to say nineteen eighty four, but in um, Fahrenheit four fifty one, another book with numbers, um, that this society is thinking only what the government is allowing them to encounter. I just <laughs> what are you laughing at? You just like. You're making this point, and you're like, we listen to the things that tell us what we want to do, and I can back this up because I listen to this thing that backed up what I want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> True, but I did not. I did not. I did not listen to that voice because I thought it would corroborate what I was trying. To... <laughs> yeah, shut it, David. That's <laughs> uh, good. But, and so, the book is a warning yes. from Bradbury. Is, it is, is and, is uh, what it and is. I think a uh, fairly uh, apt one and a relevant one, in my opinion. But. Well, you know, if you look at the time he wrote this book, which was, what year was it 58, again? 58, I believe it came out. Did I, am I right about that? Like that. Uh, first U.S. printing was, uh, paperback version was 53, I should say. Wow. Okay. You know, television was coming along. Uh, yeah. People weren't reading bad. newspapers. They weren't reading books. They were watching... They were watching television. Well, they were. Yeah. The pulps were out, though, and the people were into the pulps. And yeah. So they, they and, were reading and, that. But television was harmless. Right. Okay. You had Milton Berle. It was, it was entertaining. Yeah. And you, you didn't have CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and all that stuff in those days with a bunch of people trying to tell you what to think. It was entertainment. It was a diversion. Yeah. And I think that people had enough sense to know that it was entertainment. And I think that maybe Bradbury's warning was maybe a little premature. Yeah. I I think what Bradbury had to say is way more relevant now. Absolutely. Than it was in 1953. You know, he, he probably did see the golden age of television. Uh, I mean, of radio. And he saw all the way kids were listening to radio. Um, 
he you know he saw television and he saw you know families probably moving toward that you know lives being centered around the tv slowly um and so he probably saw some of that and maybe he just leapt far out saying what if this became so central we couldn't live without it right mm-hmm. well and not only that you're you're provided something to distract you from what the real issues are which happens almost daily now Jeez. tell me about it <laughs> yeah. that's a whole different podcast we could talk but oh yeah Which also a lot whole series with what you want to hear I'm just kidding yeah hey, <laughs> shut it <laughs> uh, so to, uh, to uh, great I mean you started this because you were talking about themes in it um, any other themes we need to talk about? I mean, I think there's really just the real big one. Yeah. What about uh, any key moments? Like, are there any parts of the plot that were like, yeah. Like for me, when 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 Montag takes out the chief, flame th- you know, flamethrower, <laughs> light someone fire. Yeah. You know, and just and then and then. That knocks out the other two firemen, and then then he's on the lamb. You know, he's he's running right, and uh, mm-hmm. and and everything's fine until they bring in, an, and he even takes out the hound, mm-hmm. and then they bring in another hound, and it's like okay, he's on the run. I think then, they brought in several hounds. Yeah, and, yeah. and then he uh, and then he's on the run, and that that whole experience of him getting away was very. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So, and then and he it, went into the river yep. and changed his clothes. Yep. Was reborn. He was reborn, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, in a metaphorical sense, he is very much, it's, it's almost like a baptism for him. But yeah. even prior, after, to, prior to that, I found it interesting, like, cars would actually try to hit pedestrians at that one part. Mm-hmm. When he yeah, it sounded like it was great sport. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I but, still do that. I see a, I see, a, I, I see a student this time of year. I'm like, hey, no, I'm just kidding. That's why he got a, an electric car so they can't hear him coming. That's right. I can sneak up on him. Don't go there, Scott. Don't go there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But you know, you yeah. even you even take the uh, the hound that was chasing him when he went into the river, and when he comes out on the other side, he sees a deer. Yeah. And he has to stop because this animal has startled him. And perhaps he doesn't really know what a real animal is. I don't know or or not. But he had to stop and make sure that this thing wasn't going to come after him. Right. And it shows that it shows that kind of, you know, you talk about new birth. He's a sense he's been awakened to another another world that you know a week prior he was that was very alien to him so Mm -hmm. but but anyways i did like that part of the book also like the poker scene they're playing poker in the firehouse and the chief knows and he has these cards and he's kind of egging he's kind of baiting montag so (laughs) but Cool. Well, I think but, that's. I think yeah. We're ready for uh, final thoughts, ratings? Yeah. Anything else you want to say about it, Jim? Uh, 
No, just that I I enjoyed reading this for the first time after seeing the movie. I've always liked the movie. Uh, as cheesy as it is, uh, one thing I found that was very interesting is the movie is set in Europe, but the book is set here in the United States. Interesting. I thought that was that was really neat. I wonder why um, they did that. Why they? Hmm. I wonder why they did that. Probably because they filmed it over there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Yeah, and sense. and if you also if you think about the movie and you look at the at the track housing and everything, it looked very very sterile, very very neat. Um, they probably maybe they couldn't find any place in the United States to uh, film it where they would allowed would been allowed to be filming. I don't know. Yeah, but no, I I I found it a very valuable book. And I enjoyed it thoroughly and would recommend it. You know, it makes me actually, as an English teacher, want to bring it back in. I think it's so relevant to where students are at today. Um, I don't know if I would. We used to do 1984, which is also just as relevant, but it's a heck of a lot harder to get through than this book would be. But, yeah. I would, yeah. I would actually like somebody, like to see somebody update this. And bring it and and make make it so that people now can see its relevance. Uh, David wants to hear another adaptation of it. Yeah, well, they just did a movie that's basically called The Circle. It's pretty much the same thing. Is it? I never saw the circle. Like a Facebook company, kind of doing the same thing, taking yeah. over. But yeah. Uh, so okay, Jim, let's hear your rating. Uh, five out of five. Yeah. Five out of five, hands down. This one's hard. Let me give it a four. The Lone Dissenter. Wait, look. Look, whenever Jim and I like books, is not you always... Bad. Wait, you, you would think that I would give it lower with my attitude, but... Yeah. The thing is, is it's not a bad book. It's not, like, I, it's me. It's not, like, it's a good book. If you, it's me, it's not you. If you <laughs> haven't, if you haven't read this book, if you're not familiar with the story, which I find insane for the story that has never, like, touched you in some fashion this day and age, if you're my age or younger, but if you have, if you have never experienced the story, read the book. Absolutely. 100% recommend it. You should read it anyway. But if, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Maybe you should read it anyway. It's a good, it's a good book. It just, I was just tired of it. I, I think a four out of five, David, is says that you have a great deal of respect for the book. I, Absolutely, I, I do. I do. Absolutely. I respect this book a lot. I respect yeah. the themes a lot. As you, but as you say, say, you've had to deal with this particular trope so often that it's just. It just wasn't fresh and new for you, right? Exactly, exactly. And I had something else I was reading that I would I wanted to get back to. So yeah, four out of five for me. So I think that's no, I think that's fair. Good. Fair, cool. That's great. It's healthy, yeah. So, so next month, next month. So what won the vote? The name of the wind by Patrick Rothfuss. In the name of the wind, yeah, Rothfuss. Yeah, Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah. 
You, you mean yeah. that that quarterback guy from Yeah, yeah. Roethlisberger? King Killer Problems <laughs> is what it's called. Yeah. I wanna I wanna interject over top of Pebble and Time that's been on there already. I have a new, I have another one. You have another one? So yeah. you're gonna you go that's fine. I'm gonna drop some bass. He's gonna tch- <laughs> So uh so great. So that'll be the book that we're reading for January. It'll be our January book and uh maybe we'll get started soon because it's not a small book. No. But it's it's a good book. That's what I hear. Yep. I Do hear you guys it's... know any books that are less than 4,000 pages? I uh, did not put this book on. No, this was this was user-recommended. Yeah, user-recommended. Yeah. So. <laughs> all, all last month was user-recommended, except for Artemis. I'm just I'm just hacking on yeah, you. And, and Artemis is small. Yeah, if it doesn't have 4,000 pages, why bother reading it? Yeah, anyways, Jim. You just burn all the books that are smaller. That's right. That is <laughs> totally <laughs> irrelevant. In the world. Uh, pin a salamander on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, wait, so. let, let me go out and buy some kerosene. We'll take, <laughs> we'll take care of this once and for all. Um, so what's on our list? So our list. So this is yeah. what, these are all, these are all user recommendations, except for one. Yeah. One. So we have uh, Revelation Space by Alistair Reynolds. Okay. So uh, Wide's Man's uh, Fear, which is the second book in the King Killer Chronicles, that is... Name of the Wind series. series. So it's the second one after Name of the Wind. Okay. So it's 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 a three day story. So we we read day one, and then day, day two, two is this one, and day three. Which is day three is not written yet. So. Well, yeah, they've been after him for years. Yeah. He's about like George R. R. Martin with the, the amount of time he comes between books. Right. So that's that one, and then we kept Artemis on. Yeah, because that was a second place. Yeah, second place winner from the other week, and uh, and you said you had a fourth yeah. one. I'm I'm bust, I'm dropping the base in the fourth one because I, I just came to me while we were talking, and it's a classic. So I am legend. I am legend. I'm just gonna watch a movie. I'm just kidding. No, that movie is all of the movies are horrible, and they are not as good as the book. And Jim, the book is a hundred pages long, so you can't complain if it wins. I've I've read it. No, there you go. Um, he read, he read, he read it because it was only 100 pages. Yeah. So. As a matter of fact, if you check my blog, you'll uh-huh. see that I I did a blog post, not necessarily on the book, but I compared the versions of the movies and yeah. contrasted on my blog oh, a wow. few years ago. Good. There you go. See, we have an expert in our midst. I never read there the book, go. so. I, I, I think the book is excellent. I, I haven't liked any of the movies I've seen. I did too. I really did. You, you get a you get a real, uh, uh, oh, what is it? A lonesome feeling uh, that you're out there by yourself. The part with the dog. By reading that book. Yeah, that's that's really heart wrenching. Yeah. But right. I better I better shut up or I'll I'll talk it to death. <laughs> yeah, this is my, not that show. <laughs> yeah. Not they, that show. Yeah. If it wins, it's. It's one of my favorites. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So where does that leave us here? That's about it. So if you want to, if you want to comment on uh, Name of the Wind or any book that we've previously read, feel free to hit us up on Facebook. Absolutely. Facebook.com/slash/theorbitalsword. Hit us up on email. Yeah. Theorbitalsword at gmail.com. Absolutely. Absolutely. Orbitalsword.com is our main hub. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. Yep. So, and of course, we have our Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, we would definitely appreciate. Yeah, it. we obviously would appreciate. That'd be great too. That'd be awesome. So, but we just love the fact that we have listeners that are voting and are yeah. engaged and are listening. So we know you're listening, even though not many of you've written in yet. But we, we hear we see that by the fact that you're voting and 
Yeah. And, I, and I've talked to people that says, oh, I'm listening, but I'm not doing anything with Eric on it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so yeah. I've had some people that have told me that. Yeah. I've had mm-hmm. people say they're, they're picking and choosing, which is great. So, uh, you know, definitely vote on what you want to read because the poll's up there every month. It's at orbitalsword.com. Yep. Uh, I have to decide what we read tab at the top. Uh, and that's and right there. There's also a link to suggest a book right there on that page. So, yeah. So, I guess yeah. That does it. so once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Bolton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Merrowood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword.